Yeah, and um, global warming is going to wreak havoc on the economy one day. So eventually, you're going to get a better return on investment for investing in things like desalination, renewable energy, and things like that, like electric vehicles as well. Because global warming is like these storms are taking out cities. Yeah. So eventually the damage is going to be so great that it actually makes more financial sense to just invest in green energy and, and invest in all of these good things for the planet. I just don't think we're quite there yet. Hey, what's good, everyone? And thank you so much for tuning into episode 62 of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask entrepreneurs and high performers about the best investments they've made in themselves that helped get them to where they are today. And before we start this episode, I need to plug my new YouTube series, Reality Check Cannabis in 2020. It's an eight-episode edutainment series on the cannabis plant and the new budding cannabis industry in general. It's a little passion project of mine and my effort to help eliminate the negative stigma created over the years by the failed war on drugs that wrongfully associated the most versatile plant on the planet with crime and violence as an excuse to arrest minorities to fill the prison system. Since the natural progression of time has led us to rediscover its medicinal benefits and created a recreational industry that started in Canada with the U.S. next in line, the best time to consider investing is now. So tune into my YouTube channel at Make More Capital or search Reality Check Cannabis in 2020 to learn about the top U.S. and Canadian cannabis companies right now so you can pick the front runner to invest in and cash in on the upcoming Green Rush. Hey everybody, so today on the show we've got one of my favorite financial YouTubers back on from Calgary, Alberta. Since having Daniel Pronk on for episode 32, he has grown his YouTube channel from 14,000 subscribers to 95,000 loyal community members, myself included. Now, I wanted to bring him on to share his perspective and what opportunities he sees in the next decade in disruptive industries, what some of these industries are, and how the average person can invest in companies that are changing the status quo for the better. Because by putting your resources behind the right companies, we can build wealth while effectively making the world a more sustainable place, which is a win-win for everybody. You just got to know where to put your money. So today on the show, we've got Daniel Pronk, and he's going to tell us a little bit more. How are you doing today, Daniel? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. It was really good, actually. How was yours? Mine was kind of actually quiet. I stayed home just because I had seen my family the day before, but like with some increased cases in Ontario and then new COVID restrictions, though, I kind of just felt better to stay home and not risk that. But did you get to see your family? How's it going in Alberta with that? Um, I actually spent Thanksgiving with my girlfriend and her family. Okay, right on. Yeah, so we had dinner over there. Um, my family was out of the city. My sister was up in Edmonton. My sister and my mom was in Victoria, so... Spent Thanksgiving with the with the girlfriend this year. Nice. Well, is this your first Thanksgiving with her? Have you been with her for a while? Yeah, first Thanksgiving. We, we started dating in June, beginning of June, I think. Nice, nice. And uh, did you have so, to wear a mask or what, how's that with the parents? <laughs> oh, no, no. We're, Alberta's not too, too bad over here, so. No, I mean, I, I forget that it's contextual, right? It really depends where you are, but um, oh, that's good, man. At least you get to have that close by and then yeah while your family's out we like my family was planning to have a uh, basically a sunday kind of thing but of course with the new restrictions they can't have more than 10 people and i think we were 13 so oh wow yeah i didn't i haven't been following what's going on over there that's pretty crazy 
it's weird though, right? Because I'm sitting in my apartment and nothing has changed for me. Yeah. <laughs> but Ontario is technically getting the most cases that they've ever had recently. And and not to say that that's a lot, but you know, a thousand cases versus you know a hundred is a big difference, right? So it's more precautionary than anything. But um, and so, well, what are you more excited about right now? Afria's earnings tomorrow morning, or the next dip you can buy into Truly? I think I'm I'm pretty excited to see Afria's earnings because, <laughs> I mean, the stock just ran quite a bit, so I want to see if that run in will be justified, but. I'm really happy with my position in Afria. I bought them pretty cheap, so I'm not looking to add or anything like that. Yeah, what what price point did you get in at? Like a low four dollar? Um, four dollars and one cent. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, man. I actually saw them when they were like three dollars back in March, but I hesitated, so I I I got them at four. Yeah, fair. Well, there's a lot more things to be paying attention to at that time as well. So. Yeah, it was um, it was wild. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, and I just. It's just interesting because when I first bought into Afria, you know, years back and, and played through that that wave and roller coaster of 2018, I really had no idea how to understand market cap or any grasp in in that sense. And I ended up first buying them for eleven dollars and ninety seven cents. Yeah. And just luckily, I was able to to get out of that at some at like I think in what is it, March 2019, and just barely break even. But like just to think that I could still be holding those shares until now. Yeah, and you'd be down what, like, you'd still be down 30 to 40% or something like that? I'd be down quite a large bit. Yeah, exactly. And and this is just after a long run-up, so <laughs> good to take those small victories when you can and kind of regroup. Yeah, that's like, when I started investing in cannabis and investing in general back in 2018, mm-hmm. um, I didn't look at market caps either, you know? I thought that uh, cannabis was going to be the next thing, so I was just buying in at any valuation because I didn't even know what a valuation really was. Right? It's amazing how far we've grown. And then, you know, still it's still coming. It's not even here yet, but it is coming, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, two years more the wiser. Um, exactly. <laughs> and so it's been a minute since you were on. I think we first had you on the show in April, but uh, you've grown from 14,000 subscribers to 94,000. You're almost at 100K, so does it does it feel any different? Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to being a small channel and a large channel. The biggest change really is, well, the, the thing that I don't like the most is now that my audience has grown, I feel like I can't interact with my audience as much as I could when I was a smaller channel. How, like, how strange is that, eh? Cause it's like, there's just too many, too much volume of comments kind of thing, or it's just more different, a lot more difficult. Yeah, like my videos, I think on average now get two to 300 comments. And if I were to respond to all those comments, I would never put out content because I would be responding to comments all day. So it kind of sucks because, you know, having that connection with your audience really pushes you and drives you to keep creating more better content and more content in general. So without that connection, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to stay motivated some days. But I don't know. I just kind of miss that close connection with my audience. Interesting. Dude, that's so humble of you, though, to say, like, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, at least we, I do feel that way watching your stuff and that, you know, you're still really looking out for the people that you're trying to educate and um, covering all those bases, which is great. At least it, it appears that way, which is good. I, I try to do my best. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, with a bigger channel, um, you get more opportunity, like the channel is obviously making more money. And companies reach out to me almost daily now to work with me. But you probably notice on my channel that I don't promote very much. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I like to really scan the companies that I work with and if it doesn't fit or if they're not a business that I would personally use, then I don't promote them. So I actually haven't really taken advantage of that too much, but yeah, with a bigger channel, you do get more opportunities like that if you decide to take them. Right, exactly. And I, I guess that gives you the luxury of being able to choose what, what you want to pursue, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and it, it mostly just comes down to like what would be best for the audience. And yeah. is it something that I think is truly going to add value or is it just like me getting a paycheck, you know? Yeah, because the one thing I see with YouTube, like you mentioned before, it's like why, why it's a great play is just that it's over time, it can only get bigger, really, right? So like, like the platform in general? Well, I just mean views over time or yeah, the platform over time, more users are going to get on it, more views yeah. are going to collect, more time is going to be spent watching, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's where I'm just, as someone that's starting up a channel and using it, I just find it fascinating and how well the analytics are kind of delivered to you. And Well, the analytics, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. You can break down everything. Yeah it's wild to a T it's it's creepy in a way and just some of these brand partnerships like you're saying that you're getting them daily now so is this often like is it through cold emails it through Instagram or how uh, how are they approaching you no I have my um my business email right on my channel actually makes sense <laughs> that's yeah. your business yeah so if you go to my YouTube channel then you go to about my business email is right there so okay. that's how companies get in contact with me Hey, I think at the end of the day, quality yeah. is king. And that's why people are reaching out to you because you, you put out great stuff. So hopefully you stay motivated enough. I'm sure you can. And so are you still doing your photography business? Um, how are you balancing that right now? Funny story. So I, I actually just finished <laughs> up my my last job today. I just edited all the photos and sent them out today. And I actually wasn't planning on taking this job. So I was planning on just kind of not really doing the business anymore. But then one of our one of our big clients came out of nowhere and um, they just offered quite a ridiculous amount of money for not a lot of work. So I was kind of like, it's worth the time to go and do it. So I just, I literally just sent out those photos probably an hour ago and I don't really plan on doing any more jobs at all, unless something, some crazy opportunity comes up again. Right. Makes sense. Well, and I think ultimately that's kind of the beauty of where you are now and you, you've put in the work to set yourself up to get there and now yeah you you can pick and choose those battles and if the price is right then then you can take them yeah exactly i was kind of i kind of just broke it down like how much am i making a day doing this is it better than youtube is it worth pursuing and then ended up like yeah the money made sense and it, again it wasn't a yeah. lot of work so it just made sense to take that last job right and well as someone who's been a photographer for so long are you still getting out and and making time to get out and take photos of nature, do things like that that you used to do? I am not, no. No, eh? Fall's getting, uh, colors are getting pretty out there. I don't know if the you get the leaves change in Alberta as much as you do in Ontario, but... Yeah, yeah, we do, but, um... Imagine. I don't know, man, I... I, I took so many photos over the last two and a half years of my business <laughs> that I think I'll pick up photography again one day as a hobby, but right now I'm like, I don't even want to touch a camera right now. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Well, what are some, have you picked up any new hobbies over uh, over the last six months? No, pretty much. Honestly, dude, I just, I just make videos pretty much with all my time. <laughs> all my spare time, I'm just making videos and researching stocks, investing, learning. 
Well, there you have it, man. You can't get to where you've gotten by half-assing it. You got to put in that time and effort. So that's a good game plan. All right, well, let's jump into it then. So uh, before we get into the cannabis aspect, I want to talk a bit about water because that, yeah. So the video you did uh, about the global water crisis was really eye-opening and I, I remember hearing about it before and it slipped my mind. So it's like, thank you for making that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Right. I think it's a it's going to be a huge issue for a lot of people. Oh, unbelievable. And like, just because you don't see it happening in, in your vicinity doesn't mean that it's not real. And just looking into it, it's like, wow, this is just kind of ongoing. And it's it's true. It's yeah, and good it, to be uh, aware. No, just good to be aware, right? So thanks for doing that. No, you're, you're welcome. Um, Yeah, and like, it's still developing. I actually have an article that I want to share on my channel soon. And it's about Mexico not being able to meet their quota. So they have like a trade deal with the U.S. and like the U.S. sends water and then Mexico sends water back. And this year, I think I think it's this last year, I'll have to read the article again, but Mexico is not able to repay the U.S. with their water. And it's like starting to actually become an issue. And like, what do you, what is the form of um, debt repayment if you can't pay back water? I'm so curious. I have no idea. The article didn't say, but it sounds like it could be a big deal. Right. It's just crazy that like this is, it's starting, man. It's, it's just weird. Well, you know, what's so interesting too is when, well, you covered Cape Town in your video. And when I was living in South Africa in 2017, I was like, I was kind of in Cape Town during that drought when it was actually happening. And I I didn't think much about it because I was temporarily there. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, over time, it's just getting worse. It's not really getting better. Until, like unless people are actively finding solutions so yeah damn that that's yeah that's that's tough and so do you mind explaining a little bit more of what you've learned uh and what you put out in the video just kind of the basis of how countries have water reserves and just what you kind of see going forward and unfolding in the next little bit yeah so this really like this whole water crisis idea um it's something that i've been really thinking about and paying attention to for probably the last two years. Like you can ask my friends, I'm, I'm out at fires. I'm always talking about how this is going to be an issue. Really? Eh? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we can't live without water. No, of course. It's just, it's more, it's more valuable than food. And um, the reality is the world is running out of fresh water at a pretty alarming rate. Yeah. So it's kind of always been on my radar and it came on my radar because I read an article that said my city of Calgary up here in Canada is going to have a water shortage by 2030. Wow, and yeah, that's right. You did cover Calgary in your video. and Especially when you consider how much fresh water Canada has, but then one of the five biggest cities is going to run out in a decade? Like, what? How does that work? Yeah, surprised. so you think like in Canada with all of our glaciers and all of our snow, we'd be okay, but our glaciers are actually melting quicker than they're replenishing. So our glaciers are melting every single year more and more and more. So eventually these glaciers are going to be gone and these glaciers feed our rivers. So... What are our rivers going to look like when all the glaciers are gone? Bone dry. Yeah, and well, maybe not bone dry, but definitely pretty low. And those are the rivers that yeah. feed the cities. That's true. So I, I don't know. It's like in that video, in my water crisis video, I, I forget the organization, but the head of that world organization said the water crisis is the biggest crisis that no one is talking about. And it's pretty wild. Yeah, well, and, and that's just kind of where I mentioned that too, is like I googled global water crisis just because I was curious and <laughs> tons of information on it. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of information. Right. Well, I, I guess just to say that we are very fortunate that we're in Canada. I mean, anyone that 
has most people that have a tap and can just turn it on and have access to fresh water. It's, we take it, we take it so much for granted. We do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I know I do. Yeah, no, I do too. And one crazy stat I recall that like the amount of fresh water on, in the world already that we have to consume is just like less than 1% too. Yeah. And it's trapped in glaciers and icebergs that are melting into the ocean right now. And then that fresh water is gone. Right. It's so, yeah, like such a small amount. And then, and that brings us to one of the solutions to this issue, which is desalination, the process of turning salt water into fresh drinking water. Since you've been covering this for a few years, has that always been a thing that's been growing since you've been, also been paying attention? Um, yes. So I've always known about desalination, but there's been a lot of barriers in that industry because it's so expensive and these poor countries, like some of the countries that are most right. affected by the water crisis can't afford desalination plants. Yeah, that's like the, so, that catch-22 of it. Yeah, but now that there's a lot of innovation and the water crisis getting worse and there's more demand for these desalination plants, there's a lot of innovation and investment coming into the, the industry in general, which is lowering the cost. Right. So now we're seeing the desalina sorry, desalination industry is really booming right now, and it's from 2030 to 2050, it's really projected to boom. I imagine, because that's all the fresh water we're going to have. Yeah, yeah, and like governments are going to have to invest in, des like in desalination, because if they don't, their citizens are not going to have water. Yeah, that's true. Like, and desalination isn't the the answer, like the only answer to the solution. No, like, right. So, uh, yeah, carry on then if you have some others. Yeah, so Mexico City actually gets enough rainwater every single year to sustain the population, like their water needs. But And does that mean so like they get enough to refill what they would consume in a year? Yeah, so okay. they do get enough rainwater. It's just they're not collecting it and their water infrastructure leaks. Like I think... The leaks alone, what is it? I think it's like 40% of the fresh water that runs through the pipes falls out due to just leaking pipes. No way, that's wild. Yeah, and like it would cost so much money for them to fix it that they're just not even doing it. Jeez, and that comes from pretending the problem doesn't exist so long that they've never taken steps to fix it. Yeah, but I don't know. In my opinion, I think it's going to be such an issue that they're going to have to fix their infrastructure and invest in something that can capture all of this rainwater because they do have enough rainwater. They're just not capturing it. Right. Okay. So it's not a matter of it not coming at all. It is. It's just using it better. Yeah. So right. Mexico, I don't think Mexico needs that much desalination. Like desalination is mostly for countries that don't get very much rain, like out in the Middle East. I would imagine desert countries. Yeah. Or yeah. Like water. I believe the UAE is, has the biggest desalination plant in the world right now, which makes sense. But as, as water continues getting more and more scarce, you're going to see desalination plants popping up a lot more around the world. Yeah, no, it's good to look ahead a little bit because you definitely envision what can happen. And just like, just with COVID, you can think things are fine. But when it, you know, when you find out, oh, wait, there's no water coming out of the tap today, it's, it, it's pretty crazy. There's no preparing for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. So that's <laughs> yeah. why I really started to pay attention to it. Yeah, that's great. Um, no, it's a good point. And if countries don't have enough rainwater, desalination is likely the only option that they're going to have? Pretty much. Okay, that's good to know as well, because then everyone's going to need it. Yeah. And with global warming, if, you know, like, what was it? I think it's California just experienced their worst drought. And like, I don't have the facts in front of me, but 
Right. Right. I bet the fire the fires kind of speak to that as well. Exactly. So it was California and Israel just had record droughts. And this is actually why Israel invested so much money into desalination is because they had a record drought and they literally needed desalination to save the country. Yeah. <laughs> so if we start seeing stuff like that along the West Coast of the U.S. and California, Oregon, areas like that, and they're right. probably going to need quite a bit of desalination. And California actually already has a ton of desalination. I imagine. Well, they're so big that they're all they're like their own country already. They're invested in everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think they have 10 desalination plants right now, and like they're projected to get another 12 here pretty soon. Yeah, well, it's so interesting because I just when I when I was living in South Africa, I volunteered for a, a nonprofit for a little bit uh, called Food and Trees for Africa, and uh, but it was it worked in in a relationship with Climate Reality Project. Have you heard of them before? I have not. So they're um, they're the branch of like Al Gore's uh, Climate Reality. Uh, I, I believe that's the name. I apologize if I'm butchering it, but um, basically, anyways, it was, that was when I was first introduced to to kind of because I was interested in environmental uh, studies or ways of improving sustainability and getting environmental awareness out there. Um, it's just the point of my life where I, I was was just it felt so overwhelming and so big. Um, just because like desalination was so expensive, uh, yeah. nuclear so expensive, right? All these things cost a lot of money, but it's interesting to see that in the you know, few years past that, regardless if it's expensive, people have been taking it on and they've been finding ways to make it cheaper, which is great. And so as someone who wanted to help the environment, but then decided to take a step back, it's just, I find it so funny and I'm fortunate that I've come full circle and now I'm actually going to be investing in these industries with my own money to actually change the status quo for the better. Yeah. And, um, Global warming is going to wreak havoc on the economy one day. So eventually, you're going to get a better return on investment yeah. for investing in things like desalination, renewable energy, and things like that, like electric vehicles as well, because global warming is like these yeah. storms are taking out cities. Yeah. Anything that's sustainable, really. Yeah. So eventually, the damage is going to be so great that it actually makes more financial sense to just invest in green energy and, and invest in all of these good things for the planet. Yeah. I just don't think we're quite there yet. No, it's true. And, and like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to scare anyone listening as well. It's just, it's good to be aware though of these things that, and you know, if we're fortunate enough to be in a country where we're okay, it's like, well, I guess all we can really do is try to plan accordingly because it does yeah. happen. And I mean, as I say in my videos, humans are very, very adaptable. We are. So like, honestly, I'm not, I'm not that concerned because when the problem gets big enough and you know, enough people get affected, we're going to make a change and we're going to figure this out. So I'm very hopeful. That's a great way to look at about it. the future, about everything. Yeah. But in the meantime, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too concerned at all. Honestly. No, it's good. You said that in a very calm and relaxing way that I, th I felt like <laughs> exactly the vibe you're giving a getting out there. So it's good. Yeah. I think unfortunately humans are reactive. They're not proactive. So I'm just totally blunt. I think more people need to be affected by climate change until society as a whole makes a real push towards solving it yeah that's a good point well i mean even in a few summers from now i think people are going to realize like yo it's been i can barely breathe out there and <laughs> like and, and when people complain in the winter oh i you know i miss summer but then when summer gets unbearably hot then yeah people are going to notice or just little things like that you're right though it will compound over time yeah you don't you don't see it year to year but there's going to be one year you're going to be like holy crap dude like it's warm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is going Pretty on? Pretty much every summer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you see things like California this year and then Australia as well. And yeah, so people are starting to come around. Who knows? Maybe if Joe Biden wins, I mean, he's got that huge green plan. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm optimistic in that too, just because Trump has handled everything so terribly. But I want to get your thoughts on, on nuclear. Have you looked into that at all? And do you think that if it's done properly and carefully, that that's potential to get the costs low enough Absolutely. that it's sustainable? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I, I forget where I saw this somewhere, but I, I, I think it might be Bill Gates that's working on like um, yep. a model of, of making nuclear reactors that, that work well. They're, they're basic, just as good as you can make them and as solid as they can be. It's just like, if you had Bill Gates making all the nuclear reactors, you'd be a lot more trustworthy than like the people that made Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the thing about nuclear is, you know, you have instances like Fukushima, um, Chernobyl. So people are really worried yeah. about nuclear. But the thing is, is we haven't really upgraded our nuclear facilities in like since the 1970s, I think. So we're still using old technology. That's right. The innovation aspect of it. Good call. Exactly. And that's what um, Bill Gates was solving. And he actually came up with a brand new nuclear reactor that essentially cannot fail. Like we will not have a Fukushima and we will not have a Chernobyl with Bill Gates nuclear reactors. Amazing. So eventually I could see nuclear becoming much bigger in the future. But um, yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet either. And actually Bill Gates, I think there's a documentary on Netflix about this, but he, um, he was working with China to get his nuclear reactor idea built because China was like, yeah, sure, we'll build some and see if they work. Right. But then Trump got elected and he was basically like, no, no business no deals with China. You guys can't go over there. And he basically shut it down. Oh, that's right. I saw that too. That's what it was. Yeah. And like, I don't want to get political. I, no, right. you know, but I don't think Trump is an awful guy, <laughs> but uh, that did kind of suck. Well, we just, we'd be four years ahead of where we, where we are. Exactly. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that the politics with China got in the way of innovation in the nuclear industry. Yeah. That's very unfortunate. Um, and it, mm -hmm. it's, it's great. It's fascinating too, just because I used to be very anti-nuclear and even again, when, when I was volunteering for that nonprofit, what I'd learned is that South Africa had made these, um, these agreements with, I think eight different countries, these, they procured these, these massive, uh, large scale solar panel projects. Yep. And I just remember what felt so just at the time devastating was that basically they had secured $200 million in investment and then the president, Jacob Zuma at the time, just decided to scrap all of that and go with a nuclear deal from Russia. And I was just like, come on! <laughs> you know, it was just so frustrating. And I'm just like, what? It's, you know, made it seem like it's so difficult to, to overcome. But no, you're right. I definitely think that we humans are a lot more resilient than we, we think we are. And um, yeah, for sure. If, when we do get affected, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we got to do and we'll pull the pants off and get it done. Exactly. We're just... I just don't think we're quite there yet to really make a push. Yeah, no, it's a good call. I mean, we are stuck indoors, so that is, that's a thing, but it uh, could be a lot worse, really. So. Yeah, um, but I do think nuclear one day in the future will be really huge. I actually think France, I think France uses a lot of nuclear. Yeah? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Well, I mean, I, I just, I didn't know much about it, and I remember watching Chernobyl, and watching that series was really good. I don't know if you've... Uh, have you heard of that one or have you seen it? No, I haven't actually. It's an eight episode series, but basically it basically tells you why Chernobyl happened. And it, again, it, it, 
has to do with faulty old old technology being used but it was more of just the soviet culture of you know covering up mistakes and and trying to just hide the truth which inevitably going to lead to disaster which it did it's just old technology right it, it, well, it was old technology, but it was also just, it was the Soviet system. Like, if your boss told you to do something and you were like, no, no, like, that's gonna, that's really bad. Basically, you know, it's the fear of getting in trouble. So you, you just say what your boss wants you to hear, even though you know that it's going to have a devastating effect kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry, I wanted to ask as well, though, have you looked into biomass at all as a renewable energy source? Do you mean like biodiesel by chance? Pretty much, yeah. That's actually a byproduct of using biomass as a clean energy source as opposed to fossil fuels. Biomass is basically the act of burning organic matter for clean energy. Yeah. So like when plants, well, animals too, but like plants from photosynthesis, they'll gather um, energy from the sun and they'll hold it inside. And then I guess from burning them, that's where you can extract uh, clean energy. So so the process with biomass, though, it's typically how it's, it's heated is it's called pyrolysis. So you let's say you'd put it into like a convection oven, uh, make sure no air gets in and you heat it at a high temperature. And then from there, it's like you can extract some like charcoal. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, residue from, from what you're burning. And then you can get the liquid fuel and the gas. So technically burning these this biomass matter should be able to produce either of those three outputs that you're trying to get. So anyways, I'm curious just because I've been I've been learning more about this, but can you think of any crop that we'd be able to mm-hmm. burn and convert into 100% clean energy at the top of your head? It's funny you ask me this because I've researched this and it's hemp. It's it's hemp, man. Okay. Yeah. I have pretty strong feelings towards hemp and the future of it. But again, I don't think we're quite there yet. But hemp, if you look at the history of hemp, Bro, you got it, Kate. Well, it's, I'm glad we're getting into this because just the series that I've made on YouTube, I, episode five is the real history. Episode six is the failed war on drugs. Episode eight I'm doing right now is the global potential. Yeah. And it's blowing my mind. Dude, if you research <laughs> hemp, you will want to invest in cannabis stocks immediately. Well, the, I mean, I, we, we already are, right? You and I. But... <laughs> I'm thinking long term here. Like this isn't going to happen anytime soon, I don't think, but... Well, man, I'm I'm just imagining because what I see is the biggest obstacle throughout all this research is the Schedule One classification of marijuana. Exactly, that is the problem. And by naming it marijuana and really confusing cannabis as cannabis and hemp and hemp, it just creates this whole ball of confusion that no one wants to touch. Exactly, hemp is not cannabis. It's in the family, but it's not the same plant. And the right. They kind of grouped it in with cannabis when it's not, and that really turned people off to hemp and the benefits of the plant. I know, it's unbelievable. And, well, I mean, even just the medicinal history of cannabis is exceptional in itself. The hard thing is that there's no, like, it's hard to look at the, like, scientifically at the data and see, but if you look in pharmacopias from Europe and in the U.S., cannabis was in it past 10, for, for millennia until it was taken out like in the same efforts that that got it like or they that got the tax act passed in 1937 so it's like this plant runs so deep <laughs> you hear about how henry ford wanted to make his cars out of hemp plastic i did and he he did he successfully made an entire hemp car yep. that ran on hemp fuel yep and you could hit it with a sledgehammer and the plastic would not dent it's the strongest natural fiber in the world man yeah i know and um 
I think like back, I think it might have been during one of the world wars when they actually deregulated hemp and wanted farmers to grow it towards the war efforts. And then right after the war, they made it illegal again. Yeah, that was 1942, exactly, for World War II. After Pearl Harbor, they said, oh, well, you know what? We put this tax act on it. So basically, if you got caught with it, you just get taxed a ton of money, which no one could afford back then. Yep. Was, it wasn't criminal yet until the 70s, but they put that on it. And then in World War II, they're like, okay, no, we need hemp. We need rope. We need uh, hemp seed oil. We need all this stuff. It's crazy. Exactly. Oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you know. I'm glad you're well-researched on this because, one, it's freaking awesome. I think it's going to be huge one day. Hemp is yeah. amazing. And you can, um, you know elaborate what i'm trying to say here <laughs> yeah well, no exactly man no i i've looked into it completely too and that's why if if you ever have the time i recommend checking out a bit of the series because it, it's um i will yeah yeah do you want did you ever, you ever watch john oliver no okay so it's kind of delivered though in like a 25 minute segment where i i have a slideshow and these kind of different things pop up to support what i'm saying but Oh man, just making that it's it's made me realize because the way I see it too is that if, if the Democrats win the election, um, then there's a good chance that cannabis will be descheduled because of the Moore Act. Yeah, and uh, Kamala Harris actually said in the vice presidential debate that they will be decriminalizing it. Yes, and so the thing is though, we if it's decriminalized, that means that they can like put it into another schedule, schedule yep. two or something, and still kind of control it medicinally. Yep. And that's not favorable. What you would want it is just completely descheduled, which I think the Moore Act plans to do. I think it's an eventuality. I think... I agree as well, yeah. I think the U.S. one day is going to fully legalize. Don't know when, but one day I think I would bet on it that that's going to happen. Yes. Well, Biden's plan is to decriminalize and then legalize medical federally. So... Okay. At least medically, everyone would have access to an alternative to opioids, which is, I think, the absolute best possible thing you could do for Americans right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of things. Give them jobs, give them tax revenue, and that would come to the states making their own call, which I think many would also line up to do. But I just, the way I see it, man, is just if, if dominoes can fall in the correct order, it could, like, and if there was just awareness made about the potential of growing hemp in the summer and using that as biomass, just like, it could come a lot sooner if. I like your perspective, though, having being speaking with you so far. I like how you're just like, yeah, you know, it'll come. It'll come. <laughs> Listen, I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure, but I feel pretty strongly that it will happen. Cause, I do, too. Because, yeah. I mean, look at Canada. We legalized recreationally, medicinally, everything. And nothing bad has happened. Nothing, nothing bad has happened at all. No, you're right. And so, well, so I've looked at all the data. Do you mind if I go on for a bit? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, one of the main arguments was that cannabis legalization would drive crime rates. And I found, dude, so in the video, I, I sorry, were you going to say something? No, I'm just laughing. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, right? The stupidity. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's this article from thehill.com, and it literally said that the, the homicide rate in Denver rose from 30-something to 60-something, and the rate went from 18 to 31 in Seattle. Okay. And then like I was looking at it for a bit and then I realized once I was actually doing the rest of my information or rest of my research was that that article was wrong and it was talking about the homicide count. The homicide count is the number of people murdered mm -hmm. whereas the rate is the percentage of people per 100,000. Okay. So the article was literally just fake news saying that the homicide rate and then using the the, the count over what 
Over what period of time were they comparing? Sorry. Oh, the span of a year. Over just one year? Okay. Yeah. Um, or it might have been from legalization to 2016, I think. So over the span of four years. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what was wild, though, is that if you actually looked, the homicide count for Denver was 56. Mm -hmm. The homicide rate was eight. Okay. And then for Seattle, the count had gone from 18 to 31. But the rate, like the ho the actual homicide rate was 2.3. And then when you compare that to like the top 20 cities that have like from 20 to 60 rate out of 100,000, it was just like cities need to legalize cannabis. Literally, man, it, it hasn't harmed our economy, our society, anything up here in Canada. It's given us more tax revenue, more jobs. I just, I don't understand why it's still illegal. I really don't get it. No, yeah, I don't, I don't either. Well, I think it's just... Because it's in no one's best interest in the government to, to get it out of there, really. And it's probably a lot of pharmaceutical company yeah. lobbyists who don't want that. Exactly. You're right. I mean, that could be a conspiracy theory. I have no idea. No, dude, it's not a conspiracy theory. I've connected all the dots. And it was actually, it was DuPont that got, let, let me explain. So Andrew Mellon, was, have you heard of Carnegie Mellon University? No. Okay, have you heard of New York Bank of Mellon? No. <laughs> or Bank of New York Mellon? Okay, anyways, if you Google Andrew Mellon, he was one of the wealthy tycoons of the uh, 1900s. Uh, okay. 1800s, 1900s. Uh, and he was the banker for DuPont Chemical. And so in about 1931, he also happened to be the Treasury Secretary for the United States. And then around that time, alcohol prohibition was ending. And so at the same time, there's a man named Harry Anslinger, who was the head of the Bureau of Prohibition. But since prohibition was ending, he lost his job and he needed work. And Andrew Mellon, the Treasury Secretary, gave him the job because, well, not because, but again, th the fact of the matter was Harry Anslinger was married to his niece. So Harry was given this job of the, of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, this new, um, this new position or this new bureau that started up after prohibition. And eventually cannabis became their, their target, uh, or hemp became their target. But okay. what also happened to be was that Andrew Mellon was the banker for DuPont Chemical. And this is before the introduction of tight regulations or insider trading laws. So I guess you could be the treasury secretary and the banker for a big pharma company at the same time and invest based on that information. And DuPont was working on man-made synthetic fibers, and they invented nylon in 1937, around the exact same time that hemp was outlawed or the marijuana tax act was passed so like if you just connect that i mean again there's no hard evidence necessarily that proves they conspired together or there was a concerted effort against hemp but combine that with william randolph hearst or he, he was a man that owned a massive company called hearst communications and they specialized in yellow journalism which was sensational journalism much like the stuff you'd see on social media um, the yellow paper stuff right so like when you combine just the three forces of those men their actions essentially yeah. made it illegal. And still to this day, it's been like that just because, you know, in, in who, whoever's in the government, what benefit are they going to get by legalizing cannabis? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. I was, it's funny because I was actually going to do a whole video on hemp back when I was, my channel was like heavily focused on cannabis stocks. Right. So I, I, I haven't done Like you've clearly done some extensive research, which is it's very impressive. I didn't do nearly as much research as you, but um, some but it was a while ago, so my research is kind of not quite as fresh, right? But I do remember that 
when Henry Ford also proved that you could run a car on biodiesel from hemp, the oil lobbyists were not too happy about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I think it was the oil, the lumber, uh, the lumber as well, the wood industry, yeah. uh, big tobacco, big alcohol. I think a lot of them were not happy. Yeah, like he, I, I believe he only produced that single car and then it became illegal. Yeah, well, I think they, they yeah, it's too bad. They, they acted very quick. Yeah. Someone had patented uh, a decorticator, which is the technology that you would put the hemp fiber or the hemp stock into, and then it would, it would extract it into fiber that you could then use, which also went extinct in 1937. So it goes to show the power of money and power. And I think it's going to come full circle, honestly, because we're going to need to rely on hemp again. And it was up until the 1850s where biomass was the largest energy source in North America until I think it was Rockefeller discovered oil. Um, yeah, man, it's kind of crazy. And the other thing, too, that really allowed them to do that was in 1914, it was called the Harrison Act. Okay. And this is what labeled uh, drug use as a criminal offense, right? As opposed to like a mental health or an addiction thing. Obviously, back then they didn't know. Yeah. But having passed that in 1914 is that drug use is criminal. Uh, it's just, it's, it kind of allowed for a lot of what happened to happen and escalate, which is just so sad. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. Like I am a, I'm a total capitalist. I love capitalism. Yeah. But um, it's things like that, you know, where, I don't know. Well, it can get, it can get, greed can take over and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, sometimes they choose profit over what's best for everyone. And it kind of sucks. It does, because that's why people say eat the rich, which doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm a I'm a capitalist. I love I love our system. It's just unfortunate that along the exactly. way, you have yeah. instances like that with hemp and cannabis and everything where profits are better than what's best for civilization and for the people. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know what, I mean, with, with content like you, man, the stuff you put out and just, I think people are waking up to that and they realize that they can, you know, break into their own niche. Thank goodness for the internet. It came around just in time. God bless the internet, man. God bless. Oh, um, absolutely. Um, it, I actually have a video idea that I'm thinking of doing that's like, why you should invest ethically and why you shouldn't invest in companies that are, you know, profiting off of polarizing civilization, like social media right now which right. i you think they're doing good call facebook yeah yeah i i will not invest in facebook man for i don't care how good the stock is they're profiting off of polarizing society and that's why you're yeah. radical left and radical right doing what they're doing right now and I, I don't agree with it i think it's ridiculous that's a good point yeah so i will not invest in facebook have you seen that new documentary the social dilemma i have and uh, i watched that with my girlfriend <laughs> pretty crazy right it's, it's exactly what they're doing everyone's newsfeed is customized and different so they're they think that's normal well and it's like on youtube right now my channel is receiving about 50 to 60 percent less views because the election is going on and what youtube does is they push whatever gets clicks oh, and, brutal. and right now all of these videos that are like trump is evil or like or truth, they tell the truth. <laughs> There's a global water crisis. Not as many clicks. Like, come on. Exactly. And then, like, my my channel's being suppressed right now because, you know, Trump is evil or Biden has, what's that thing? Oh, dementia. Dementia. Right. 
or Biden has dementia, like everyone is clicking on those right now and it's just polarizing people. But that's what YouTube is pushing because it's what's getting clicks and that's what's earning YouTube revenue right now. Such a double-edged sword, eh? Because it's like they they taste the power and then they like it that much. Yeah, and it's it's really unfortunate because I'm on the platform and like this is yeah. how I sustain my lifestyle now. Right, and how does that make you feel actually? Yeah, like I don't agree with what YouTube is doing at all. And I've dealt with a lot of censorship on YouTube this year. Like I couldn't even say coronavirus in my videos or else they would get demonetized. Right. So I don't like that's to me, that's harming people's right to free speech. And I, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. hundred percent. I got to comply because you know, it's how I make my living now. So it's, it's a weird time, man. I don't know what, what I see it is like, not every Trump supporter is a racist not every trump supporter is like a nazi i would say not even one percent are and like not every democrat is a communist like no it's so true yeah it, you're right though the extreme of each yeah. side is just taken to the next level exactly and like that's what that's what facebook and youtube are pushing right now is like everyone who supports either side is a bad person it's like that's not what it is we're all just humans some of them are bad like a small portion but yeah, and we just happen to know. see those more because there's cameras on everything we have. So, social media is pushing it because it gets clicks. It's just unfortunate, man. No, it's. I just wish I'd have a civil conversation again. Good yeah. point, man. Um, absolutely. Now, just because again, you, well, you are a capitalist. I am. I just want to rattle off a few more things that I did find in my research, if you don't mind, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> No, no, that's okay. Well, I mean, like, I obviously want to bring you on and I don't want to be the one talking the whole time. I want to get as much out of you. But as long as you're getting value or this is interesting to you, then. No, um, this is like, I appreciate. I appreciate the research you've done because I haven't been able to do it. So, please. Good. Okay, man. Sounds good. So, um, speaking of founding fathers and past presidents and what they would think of the situation right now. So, and these come from two books I've read recently on the topic. One is called The Great Book of Hemp by Rowan Robinson, and the other one is called The Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Hare. Thomas Jefferson and Dr. Benjamin Rush, who was George Washington's personal physician, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they both foresaw that the federal government might attempt to control medicine. Okay. And doc yeah, so Dr. Rush, was he warned that unless medical freedom was constitutionally guaranteed, uh, medicine would eventually become an under undercover dictatorship in which the art of healing would be restricted to one class of men while equal privileges were denied to the others. Okay. And so when I read that, it just makes me think of what they've done with Big Pharma controlling medicine and then the war on drugs as kind of a way to arrest people and take away that constitutional right. And once you've been targeted and arrested, it makes your life that much more difficult, right? Yeah, and they can completely monopolize the entire drug industry like pharmaceuticals so yeah it's it's literally the whole process of the fda working and like working closely with the government and these subsidies of which pills are actually going to get approved and which pill like that's exactly what they've done they've controlled medicine with big pharma and how much they cost man like it's crazy oh i, I forget where i saw this video but there was a pharmaceutical company it was a public company i forget what year this was but i think bill ackman was an investor really what they were doing is they were just gouging the prices of these medicines that people literally needed to live. So if they didn't pay like $30,000 a year, they would just die. And they were so completely messy. taking advantage of that. That's so fucked. It's, yeah. It's so bonkers, right? And, and that's just like, that sucks because that's not capitalism. No. That's just a really greedy person. It's, it's, 
the way the pharmaceutical industry works is they can essentially have a monopoly on a new drug that they create for an X amount of time. So for that period of time, they can charge whatever the, whatever the hell they want. Right. And exa- that's exactly how they've controlled it. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay. So that was the first bit. This one's from Abraham Lincoln, okay. uh, responded to this kind of re- repressive mentality. He said, prohibition goes beyond the bounds of reason in that it attempts to control a man's appetite by legislation and makes a crime out of things that are not crimes. A prohibition law strikes a blow at the very principles upon which our government was founded. Can you say the last part again, sir? Yeah, no, a prohibition law strikes a blow at the very principles upon which our government was founded. Okay. So that's pretty powerful coming from Abe Lincoln. Man, I wish we had Abe Lincoln today. <laughs> I wish we could meet him. <laughs> I just, man, that that guy sounds like a true a true leader. Honest Abe, absolutely. Like Yeah, I just and so, and then there's a few more, and then I, I kind of, on the contrary, I have the Bush family to compare the leadership. So, okay. um, surviving correspondents of the first presidents uh, indicated that seven of them smoked cannabis. Cool. George, yeah, right? <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Very cool. Um, George Washington allegedly preferred to smoke the leaves of hemp rather than drink alcohol. Same. It's like, cool, me too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dude. On quick quick point, I I barely drink liquor anymore since cannabis has become legal. That's amazing. Well, dude, I I quit. So I went to Mexico for my little vacation. I, I had fun, but then I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to drink when I come back. And I have not drank since January eighth. And nice, man. Same thing though. I don't feel the need. Uh, you know, a bit of cannabis when I feel like it it's perfectly does the trick for me. Yeah, for me, I smoke after I'm done all my work for the day. And I yeah. smoke indicas to help me go to sleep. And it's completely changed my life, man. Like I can, I can sleep. I used to never be able to sleep. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that, dude. Yeah. Cause like. It's awesome, man. I love it. But I started smoking since legalization. I wouldn't really touch it before it was legal, but now that it's legal and I can go buy it from the store. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, because like I, I've never really opened up like this on the podcast or anything, but I, in high school and whatnot, I think it was after grade 11, I, I smoked a lot and in, into university. Like I was a full-fledged stoner, um, but but I, I was fine. I functioned fine. And, and that's why at the time, though, I was just like, how do they say this makes you go insane? Or like, why is this the bad thing? Why not alcohol? I think, um, yeah, sorry. No, it just like, that's what I thought growing up then. And then but the thing was, I, I had to quit smoking to go to Korea because I knew they drug tested and I just, I did my research. I wasn't going to fail that drug test. Yeah. So I quit and, and then I went and it wasn't until like I came back to Canada and I realized like, wait, we're legalizing. That's pretty awesome. I kind of picked up where I left off. And well, I just like that you mentioned that because for me, it's, you know, people have a, a glass of wine a day or a beer a day. Yep. For me, it's always been a joint at the end of my day. Man. And my opinion is there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Because I get all like, okay, when I smoke, I lose my motivation. But that's why I save smoking for the nighttime when I'm done all of my work and I just want to relax. Like, I just smoke, play a few video games with my boys, chill, (laughs) and I go to sleep. And like before, I could never stay asleep all night. Like I could fall asleep, but then I would wake up every 30 minutes or something. But now that I smoke indica before bed, I literally just like pass out and I'm good. Um, yeah, well, that's great, man. I'm happy to hear that you found something that, you know, isn't really too reliant on and that actually works for you because I imagine 
so much people like sleep seems to be a big issue for a lot of people as well and yeah it is just on this topic cannabis for me i've it's always been my i fall asleep like that you know yeah as long as i as long as i kind of consume a little bit at let's say like 8 30 and or yep. 8 8 30 and then try to aim to go to bed for exactly 9 or 9 30 um it knocks me out but it puts me to sleep throughout the entire night and what's funny though is that i've had many periods of time where i'm you know i create this battle in my mind and i finally i'm at a place where i'm like okay no just stop just don't let yourself do that but i would i would like smoke and then i'd be like oh i know you you said you would quit but if i did not you know have a little bit i I'd spend a week of just lying in bed till about 3 a.m. Yeah. And then I'd like finally fall asleep and have like felt like an hour. Whereas if I smoke, it's just like, why not just do it? <laughs> exactly. So what's this battle in your head that you're having? Is it like you feel kind of bad that you're smoking? Well, I, I still like, dude, it's it's even growing up my whole life with that that programming that cannabis yeah. is bad or that it's harmful for you. And I've known my whole life, well, my whole life, I'm like, it's not bad for me. The, the only thing is, it's just, it's my matter of self-control when I decide to consume it and when I don't. Yep. Um, and then it's also like prioritizing to make sure you get stuff done before you smoke. And that's, again, that's all, it's all up to the user, not the, the substance. Exactly. Um, and that's but what, I, oh, sorry. Sorry, I will, I, well, what I think though, is just because I think my ex-girlfriend didn't like it. And so in a way too, that's kind of stuck in my mind that it's bad. And then I realized like, well, no it helps me a lot and it helps me especially when i don't think about whether it's helping me or not you know yeah um it's funny you bring up the girlfriend because when i got my girlfriend i was kind of um reluctant to tell her that i smoke daily right right but then when she started staying over at my house i was like ah shit <laughs> <laughs> so right. she found out god bless she doesn't care but um no man honestly like what it comes down to is, is marijuana being an asset for you or is it being a liability? And exactly. it's not like in your case, marijuana is being an asset just like it is for me. But as you said, you do need to have some sort of self-control because you could just smoke all day and then you right. won't get anything done. And that's when it becomes a liability. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And I think as well, it's the, the intent behind it too. Like, yeah, keep it to the end of the day. Um, yeah, my productivity has gone up since I started smoking. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, my thought too is just that, like, well, you know what? I guess the research that I've done for this YouTube series has kind of just been reassuring for me because, so yeah, mm -hmm. cannabis was in the U.S. pharmacopoeia and all the European pharmacopoeias used throughout history, ten thousand years back. Evidence of this from many ancient histories from China, uh, India, wow. all these different um, Indo-European mixtures, uh, and then. So I, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't have all that information offhand, but basically it's, it's been around forever. And this is what's funny is that they only discovered THC, the main chemical in it in 1964. Wow. And yeah, what appeals to me is that the ancient humans that, you know, documented all of this over time, literally understood the plant better than the U.S. government, <laughs> like by making it illegal in 1937, but not even knowing anything about it, what the properties were, anything, you know? Yeah. It's just, um, that's just unfortunate, man. Yeah. But, and, and then I guess the other thing is just because there's also been over, over a handful of studies done over the last hundred years that prove that there, it does no, has no physiological harm or like no psychological harm, no mental 
no physiological, basically stating there's no evidence that cannabis is toxic to the human body. So if anything, it's extremely beneficial, and that's why we just need a lot more research, because we've evolved for millennia with it. I will say yeah. that some sativas give me anxiety. Do they? Yeah. Interesting. Like, they, well, I mean, I have anxiety. Um, Regardless kind of thing? Yeah, like, I have anxiety on my own. Like, that's something I deal right. with. Sometimes when I smoke a sativa, it just gets my brain in this place where like I overthink things and it just spirals and it's not good. So that's why I try to just smoke indicas now because sativas do kind of trigger my anxiety. Interesting. Well, it's great that you've kind of made that distinction on your own as well. Yeah. So in my experience, there has been some downside, but not Fair. very much. Yeah, well, that, that's good. Um, well, I mean, of course, it's good that you've, you know, made that adjustment now that you've come to realize the difference between the two as well. Yeah. And at least now you know what you're buying at the store and it's not like what it would be if the black market or if it was still, you know, prohibited. Yeah. And like, who knows, man, that could be, it doesn't happen all the time. So that kind of tells me that like, maybe I have something going on in my head or in my brain or something. And then the sativa just kind of triggers it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what's going on because it doesn't happen all the time. It's not, it's maybe like 3% of the time. Right. Interesting. Well, I mean, hey, if any, it's good that you're aware of this. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's better than what constant alcohol consumption can do at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean, I hate hangovers, so. <laughs> oh, exactly. They're, they're the absolute worst. Every time I get hungover, yeah. like last time I got hungover was by accident. And man, I was so angry at myself. <laughs> well it sucks because you almost waste a day it feels like you completely waste a day. exactly and i'm like wow i'm not gonna do anything today like now my schedule is behind today that sucks yeah exactly and like that's the one thing i guess where, where you're at and where i feel like i'm getting i'm at too it's just like you don't want to lose a day of like i you enjoy making your videos i'm enjoying everything i'm doing right now so it's nice to time is the most valuable thing man more valuable than money absolutely it is okay a few more points just to add james madison one of the former presidents once was once heard to say that smoking hemp inspired him to found a new nation on democratic principles huh wait sorry what <laughs> so again this is kind of just from what i was reading before the george washington bit but james okay. madison he was heard to have said that smoking hemp inspired him to found a new nation on democratic principles okay that's that's apparently what was said in this book this is called um this book is the the great book of hemp by a man named rowan robinson <laughs> sounds legit Sounds legit. I, I, I trust uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, James Monroe, the fifth U.S. president, was introduced to hashish while he was serving as ambassador to France, and he continued to smoke till he was 73. Okay. Um, while Andrew Jackson, Zachary Taylor, and Franklin Pierce all served as military commanders and smoked hemp with their soldiers. Wow. Okay. So it's just one of those things where it's like, could you just imagine where it was commonplace in our society? Wouldn't that make for an amazing society in a way? People would be so much more reflective, less egotistical. And like, man, when I, when I smoke and like, I'm, I'm chilling by myself. It makes me very empathetic. I don't know if that happens to you or not, but for me, like, I feel like I can, I can relate to people more and put my, myself in other people's shoes and be able to have a better conversation with them because I can better understand where they're coming from. Right. Yeah. No. I love it. I just, I love it. That's why I'm invested in the space so much. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, no, I completely agree. And I guess 
I, I just have to admit this is also nice because I, I don't necessarily get to have this conversation as much with, with people because I think the stigma still hasn't shifted to, to well, not to say, I don't think people care that much about cannabis, but still it's just, yeah it, it's there's a double standard to it, which sucks that I don't necessarily, you know, most people want to go out and drink and it's like, well, I just don't want to do that. Exactly. It sounds like the worst thing ever. And it's like when people find out you're a smoker, they kind of just put you in this box like you're a stoner. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. no, I'm not, dude. It's just, it for me personally, cannabis has become a tool that adds to my life. I would not have made this eight episode series if it wasn't for cannabis. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, all my best. Some of my best research on my channel comes from when I'm a little bit high and I'm just reading. <laughs> I, I, get, I get very inspired thoughts that I bring to my channel and to my audience. Dude, that, that's great that you say that because it absolutely is a tool. Like it can get me to focus and sit through something and then I'll be like four hours later. I'm like, holy shit, I just, I just did yeah. all that. And it makes it enjoyable. It's like, I don't know. It's... Is it the best kept secret out there or what? I mean, like in, in moderation, <laughs> everyone, come on, of course, practice, but like missing out man i don't know yeah, i probably <laughs> well you know what it's just I think each it's... and everyone's own really but it's, it's been very refreshing to to be able to share this this with you daniel that's for sure of course man of course um my girlfriend doesn't smoke that much i think yeah. she's only smoked twice i'm trying to get her to to smoke with me i've never smoked with her yet right but uh yeah people are still i think a little bit skeptical about it which is fair. It's brand new. Yeah. It's just legal. And exactly. And I, I guess just it, it's because if you were to just be like, you know, having having it at the end of your day, mm -hmm. the fact you're saying daily though, people just people will get the wrong kind of they'll think the wrong thing. Yeah. You know. And, but I'm I'm kind of unapologetic at this point because. That's good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Don't need to put up with their shit. It's just my truth. It's just it's just my own experience. Yeah, man. Well, that's how you got to live it. It's yours. Now, here, last contrast. Okay, so this is this is what we know about right. the Bush family as, as leadership, okay? Okay. So the entire Bush family was large stockholders of Lilly, Abbott, Bristol, and Pfizer. Okay. So after, after Bush's disclosure of assets in 1979, it became public that Bush's family was still, still has a large interest in Pfizer and substantial amounts of stock in other aforementioned drug companies. So when you just think about how kind of down to earth the founding fathers really were. And like, they kind of lived life like everyone else Yep. where the Bush family literally invested in the same opioids that are now killing thousands of Americans every year. That's crazy. That's just unfortunate, man. I'm actually looking up a just... quote right now because from Charlie Munger. Ah, oh, Charlie, he's a man. Yeah, so his quote says, show me the incentives and I will show you the outcome. Damn. So when you think about what you just said with Bush and his family and how they were invested in these companies that are profiting basically from cannabis being illegal, yeah. their incentive is they're going to profit from cannabis being illegal. So the outcome is they're not going to push for it. Yes. And uh, exactly, and it's it's that attitude that makes it so damn difficult to get anything changed, right? That's my one problem with capitalism. Yeah, because it's like if you can pay government workers a cushy enough salary that they're that they're gonna want to keep that salary and not look for anything else. It's like, gosh, deadly. Yeah. yeah, it's when people profit off the wrong things that I'm like, man, you're slowing down progress. Yeah, just it sucks. Yeah. 
Damn shame. Well, we haven't even gotten to it, but um, so Afria's earnings tomorrow. What do you uh, what do you think we might see? Honestly, I have no idea what they're going to report. But what I do know is that I'm going to be holding for the next four to five years. Good plan. Yeah, my target date was 2025. Yeah, I mean Warren Buffett says you shouldn't really pay too much attention quarter to quarter to quarter. You should just even if the even if Afria reports horrible earnings tomorrow, if they have a good reason for it and it's legitimate, then I'll give them a chance to come back. Yeah, no, that's fair. And there's still lots of time. And I think, like you said, and we covered before, it's just, it's literally just getting started. (laughs) We are just getting started, man. I mean, we have to, we still have to change society's thinking towards cannabis in general. Until then, until we finally reach that point, cannabis is going to continue growing. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. We know that it is growing on the floor, which is amazing. Um, And one of the things I mentioned, too, is just to stop using the word marijuana because it seems to confuse people more than anything. Yeah. Um, So just like cannabis is cannabis, the female plant that you smoke to get stoned for medicinal reasons, whereas hemp is the male plant, non-psychoactive, produces CBD for industrial uses. Um, But isn't that crazy when you think about it, though, how words are so effective in in getting us just in, in humans thinking in general we think with words right Mm -hmm. and it's just by using that term that really no one well again looking at the history it was it was used to associate it with mexicans because immigration was a problem 100 years ago just like it is now (laughs) you know people are gonna want opportunity if it's in if it's in a different place that's what that's what causes immigration nothing more really um but yeah no it's it's just changing the narrative i think it's so important and it will change which is great Oh, you just simplified illegal immigration into one sentence. That's incredible. <laughs> Did I? Thanks. Pretty much. There's more opportunity, so they want to move. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's. Wait. It, it doesn't have to be so complex, right? Sometimes the simplest answer is, is so true. Beauty in simplicity. I love it. It is. Um, and so, just just curious now. Now that you found True Leave, um, and see the potential, just the growth in the U.S. and. Uh, yeah where a true leaves market cap sits compared to the other us msos uh what's your plan with with those two are you just going to invest in both absolutely because the business models and the how do i say this the opportunities are completely different for both industries and both companies so with afria i believe i said this in my video but it was near the end so i understand if people were not you know paying as mm-hmm. much attention but afria is able to capitalize on the global market because Canada has federally legalized cannabis. So they can ship the cannabis to Europe or to Australia or to wherever cannabis is allowed to be shipped to. But in the States, since it's federally illegal, companies like TrueLeaf cannot ship outside of the US. So essentially for Afria, they have a bigger opportunity because they are exposed to the global market and they can execute on the global market. But TrueLeaf can only execute on the U.S. market, and Afria cannot execute on the U.S. market. So, the, yeah, they complement each other in different ways. It's very good. Yeah, so if you want to be exposed to the growth of the U.S. market, then you need a U.S. MSO. And if you want to be exposed to the global cannabis market, then you essentially need a Canadian cannabis company, When and Afria is the best one. So that's why I'm invested in Afria. And then I also want to be exposed to the U.S. cannabis market, because it's also experiencing massive amounts of growth right now. Yeah, and it's crazy. TrueLeaf's gotten, I think, 59 stores in Florida alone. They've pretty much locked down that state. 
they they control over 50% of the cannabis sales in the state. It's crushing. And it's not even recreationally legal. It's just medicinal. Isn't still. that crazy? Like, <laughs> these are medicinal patients coming back every so often. <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. Like, if when you start talking to me about, like, because I, as I said, I believe the U.S. legalizing recreationally on a federal level is going to come some point in the future. So if you can get in before that's even happening or being discussed, then I think you will be rewarded greatly if you choose the right company. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I think you and I both on our channels highlight which ones are the best in the U.S. and in Canada. Pretty much the same one. So. Um. Yeah, like, I mean, I kind of avoided the U.S. market because I, I didn't really see it. But then when I did more research and I looked at the projections, I looked at the growth, I was like, man, I need to be in here. And then that's when I started looking for the best one. And in my opinion, I, I came to Truly. Good. Yeah. Well, there's quite there are quite a few at the top, but you want to make sure you get one with like a, a good moat and with uh, with a good market cap compared to the others. Yeah, I want to. I don't want overvalued. I want great growth. I want good management, solid projections, and history of growth. So. Yeah. Truly, and truly is the only really well no i think green thumbs is producing positive cash flow but truly is producing over 300 percent more positive free cash flow than green thumbs industries which is worth almost double the market cap yeah it's wild um... i do want to take a look into planet 13 more because a lot of my comments wanted me to take a look into them so mm-hmm. i think i'm going to research a little bit more on that company yeah, have a look. Well, I know Cureleaf definitely has the lead with, with um, dispensaries open. I think they've got 94. The thing I don't like about Cureleaf is they're expanding because of debt, and they're incurring a lot of debt right now. Oh, really? And that's that's kind of part of the deal for them to expand, I guess. Yeah, like I wanted to point this out in my video, but I felt like my video was getting too long. But Well, you made it about Trueleaf, right? So I guess that's kind of why the focus was on Trueleaf? Or... Yeah, but in my spreadsheet, you can see that Cura Leaves debt repayment, I believe, was in the $17 million range quarterly. Okay. And their quarterly free cash flow, I believe, was around $23 million. So $17 million of their $23 million of cash generated goes to paying back debt, which means that they only have $6 million left to actually grow the business. Hmm. Interesting. Whereas with True Leave, their debt repayment, I believe, was like $1.7 million, and their operations produced $53 million. So they have more more organic leeway to grow than Cureleaf. So that's also why you're seeing Cureleaf um, raise more money through dilution and take on more debt is because that's how they have to grow at this point. Okay, interesting. Actually, I definitely missed that the first time I watched that video. So thanks for explaining. I didn't I didn't explain that in the video because it was already like 25 minutes long. Oh, but... that's okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, like with practice, that'll eventually trigger when I see it. But, you know, I didn't really kind of put that together, but... I did want yeah. to ask on the topic of True Leaf, because what is it like? Compare there was another line where comparatively to all the other companies, True Leaf was so good. Not their their margin was like much higher than any of the others, but their margins are much higher. It wasn't their margins though, but I think it was like their was it not their operating income or like their operating expenses were like eleven million, and everyone else's was an insane number. True Leaf's operating margin is sixty five percent, and the next in line was Cure Leaf at five percent. Right. So they had a sixty percent lead on the next in line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That first column was kind of staggering. Even when you like the first, you first put it up on the video, you're pretty much like, okay, truly seems like the best pick. Yeah. It was like 30 seconds into my spreadsheet and I was like, you guys are already seeing why I love this company. (laughs) Yeah. 
it didn't take long at all and like but, that's why i like watching multiple times but if you're if you're interested go back to that video and hit the like button <laughs> no i did i did <laughs> thank you no but uh um go to the video and pause when i'm taking a look at the cash flow and just pause it and you'll see cure leaves operating income or operating or cash flow from operations and then take a look at that versus their debt repayment quarterly and you'll see what i'm talking about right so this was the high stock growth on okay, YouTube. Gotcha. okay yeah and you'll see that like i believe it's like 75 percent of their cash flow from operations is going back to just repaying debt right now which means they don't have a lot of cash flow to grow the business organically at this point okay sorry okay here so we're on the, what i wanted to check or what i wanted to mention was the cost of revenue how is true leaves cost of revenue 11 million honestly i think that's a mistake um i need to do a little bit more digging there like it's not a mistake on my end, I don't think, because I got I got those numbers right from Yahoo Finance. That's where I got my numbers from. Okay, gotcha. Because that that's one thing I noticed. I was like, well, that's just amazing. They're doing magic. Yeah, yeah like oh. I, I honestly should have looked into that a little bit more before making the video. Um, okay, no no worries. I mean, everything else checks out. So let me go through to the net cash. Okay, uh, cash flow, net cash from operations. So debt repayment. I see. Okay, there seventeen mil. So take a look at Cure Leaf's debt repayment versus their cash from operations. Right. So they make 23 million, they pay 17. That's right. Okay. So a lot of their cash flow is going back to repaying debt right now. No, man. Well, hey, dude, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this much clarity when I read these numbers or the spreadsheets. So thank you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. For some reason, numbers make sense to me. I don't yeah, know. no, it's good. I mean, well, the more you look at them too, the, the more they definitely do start to make sense. And um, so from from my research too, and my understanding right now, Ontario has 173 stores open. Okay. And they're opening 40 a month uh, for the next foreseeable future. So by the end of 2021, they should have a total of 773 stores in Ontario, at least. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be by the end of 2021. And what I find interesting is that if you look at the number of LCBOs, there's actually 1,300. So there's no reason for Ontario to stop at 773. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I believe... Back when I was doing the calculation, they need 1,400 stores because I believe the the ideal rate is one store per every 10,000 people. Right. And I believe that 14 million people in Ontario right now, that works out to about 1,400 stores. So there's going to be growth in this industry in Canada alone for probably another three years. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. It and is. Then, like... I don't know who's going to win down in the U.S. And honestly, like at this point, I don't really care who wins. Um, but if Biden does end up winning and they do end up decriminalizing, then we might see some cross-border partnerships if that's allowed. I'm not too sure what that will look like, though. Yeah, I think that that will come once it's kind of fully descheduled okay. or once that's sorted. But I would that that's going to be one of the best days ever. That will cause... Canadian cannabis companies to rally as well, though. Yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah. probably so, see a boost from that as well. And well, a perfect example of partnerships though is Canopy, right? If if the Dems don't win this fall, the their acreage deal could fall through, and that would spell disaster for Canopy. Although they have the money behind them, they've certainly lost Canada at this point. Yeah. It's it's interesting because over this time too, I've come to realize, I'm like, you know, Jordan, you you've probably like there might not be another big Afria climb. Like there might with the U.S. legalization. Because I think that that's still a massive, like, that that will come. And because Afria has the global strategy, then they can see that, um, 
they, they could see a big climb, but it just like the days of 2018, 2017, it's like, well, I feel like you'll never see those again, but they, they could come back if pending U.S. though. Yeah, I think it, it, it really depends on the U.S. at this point. I think to see volatility in the industry like we saw in 2018, it will have to be from the U.S. legalizing. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see that again. No, exactly. And, and in that case, it would likely only be probably a free canopy and probably just those two or Kronos, a few others. Yeah, but... and um, dang, what was I going to say? Uh, I forget. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's all good, man. I'm just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, well, that's all we got to do, right? Literally just hold on to our investments, stay patient, and that's how we get rewarded. So, Exactly. I'm I'm in this for the long term. Oh, what I was going to say is um, I think that's why you see all of these spikes in Afria as well is because short sellers are still heavily in the industry. So I believe what they're doing is they're covering their shorts before their earnings come out. And then if the earnings aren't a total blowout, they reshort the stock, which sends it back down. Interesting, because I can't imagine why after a period of time, shorting would be would be beneficial, especially if the company is growing like a free is growing. I, right? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Seems risky, right? It's just like I've never seen price action like this outside of yeah. short sellers. No, it makes sense. And I guess I've picked up onto that, but um, seems like, uh, well, if it's still illegal in the U.S., they're going to be shorting until probably just because that's it's not going to change until then. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you've come across or learned recently that you think's worth sharing? In terms of investments? Just, just anything. Yeah. Um. Let me think. I mean, I'm thinking in terms of investments right now, and I, I, I don't think so at this current point. And if I if I think of anything, I will definitely let my YouTube audience know. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know what? If it's if it's any consolation over the summer, I've kind of expanded more into my knowledge of what is it, gold? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Because you've covered that, um, so I mean you can you can get into that, but like some gold and silver exposure, I've been at least watching and paying some attention to that. H two O, I think that is one of those uh, one of the desalination companies. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Um. Now that you talk about gold, actually, I, I'm, I'm going to send you a chart. All right, but well, you still own Kirkland, right? You had a, you got into that at a good time. Yeah, I got in there below fifty dollars Canadian. Oh great! I mean, I'd, I'd gotten in at fifty dollars, like literally on the dot, and I think I sold at fifty-five, just like not to get greedy. <laughs> and then I was like, damn it. Ten percent—that's the annual return of the S and P historically. You're killing it. Still, it's good. I know I did well, but. <laughs> Yeah, don't feel bad about that. No, I don't. Exactly. I... But this, uh, that photo I just emailed to you. Yeah. The what is that? The yellow line or the orange line is gold, and the blue line is the S and P five hundred. So since two thousand, gold has heavily outperformed the overall index. Since two thousand. Wow, yeah. hectic! Wow, I did not know that. Because with all of the government intervention in the currencies that we're experiencing especially today gold really thrives hmm. off of that well, they just opened... so gold actually outperformed the market since 2000 by quite a substantial bit yeah holy crap 600 percent. yeah crazy. it's about 400 percent more returns in gold alone so is, it, is this why you think warren finally bought <laughs> honestly man warren buying gold really really surprised me and the reason for that i made a video i was actually making a video 
a different video the day he bought Barrett gold. And as soon as I learned that, I had to shut everything down and talk about that instantly because right <laughs> because in the past Warren Buffett has said he will never invest in gold or the industry in general. And his purchase of Barrett gold tells me that he thinks gold is going to do well for an extended period of time. If he's doing that, he clearly knows something or he's on he has an idea. So well, I mean, you just got to take a look at the U.S. and what they're doing right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they're thinking about printing another $2 trillion in stimulus. And then if Joe Biden wins, he wants to print another $2 trillion for his Green New Deal. Right. So that's $4 trillion more dollars being printed. And that's just so much inflation in, in the, in the, down the line. Yeah, whenever, whenever the government prints like that, gold does extremely well. Hectic. Well, it's a good thing I bought some Caldas gold. <laughs> Oh, you bought some Caldas? <laughs> I did. I bought some Caldas. Yeah, I was watching it, and it, it's it's kind of hit a bit of a floor. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a couple hundred shares. Caldas seems pretty solid. They have a, a billionaire so. is invested in that company. He's pretty bullish on it. Are they? Well, I mean, they're with, what's the other company that, not Barrick Gold, but they... Um... Grand Columbia. Yeah. Was it Grand Col- Well, you did, yeah, you did a video of Grand Columbia. Grand Columbia is invested in, in Caldas. Yeah, and then um, I believe they own a portion of Caldas, and then. And then is it Wharton that's in Grand Columbia? Did you say Warren? Not Warren Wharton, or there's a big W. Uh, there's a big gold company with the name starts with the W. I think it's Wheaton. Wheaton, yeah, sorry, Wheaton. Wheaton, Wheaton is partnered with them. They're actually funding part of the expansion, I believe, or drilling. Okay. Okay. Um, do you know who Griffin Milks is? I do actually. Yeah, I just I recently had him on the podcast. I found him through you as well. Yeah, Griffin um did a full video on Caldas, which was not planned. That was pretty interesting cuz I did Grand Columbia and then like 2 days later I think he did Caldas. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was it was not planned at all. I was pretty surprised. Well, I guess you guys are both following Warren's uh plot twist and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so when he posted that i was like damn okay that's actually pretty cool yeah well i mean it's just it's good because i you know i'm glad that i niched down in the cannabis space because i do feel like i know that industry quite well and and i'm gonna hit a lot of home runs in in the future with this knowledge which is great um but then with channels like you it helps expand the knowledge so it's it's just great to have other minds really working together and just sharing what we know that's really all I try to do. Like I try to just share my opinion as open and honest as I possibly can. And whether people agree or not um, is up to them. But I think hearing another person's opinion, even if you don't agree with it, is important. Yes. And l- listening to it, right? <laughs> it's... That's why I try to be as articulate as possible in my videos and just like really explain why I'm thinking why I'm, or sorry, why I'm thinking what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. And then. I don't know, like some people commented on my water video, for example, saying they just don't see it. They don't think it's an opportunity. And I'm like, that's fine. Just yeah. stay away then. It's fine. No, it's good. And th- that's like civil discourse. That's that's what it should be like. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not hurting my feelings. It's okay. Like time will tell who's right. It's fine. Just invest in something else that you're bullish on. Yeah. Oh, Daniel, bleed confidence. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's true. And like, I think ultimately too, like all you, all you'd want to do is be an example to people, right? You're not trying to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do. You're just doing what you're doing and documenting it. Never. I, I will, 
listen, I can be totally wrong too. I've been totally wrong in the past. So yeah, you could. Well, you know what? You were pretty spot on about COVID early and I, I had just been a bit late finding your channel. Oh, wait. So that's interesting. You saw my early COVID videos? I did. Well, I think I'd, I'd found you shortly after that happened. But then when I looked back and watched some of the videos, I was like, holy crap, this guy predicted that we were going to get hit with a wave. And yeah, I shorted the Dow. Yeah, well, exactly. But you did that and I was just like, well, this, this guy's onto something. <laughs> I was just paying attention. Like, ever since it started appearing in January, me and my stepdad were, were tracking it. And right. like, man, is this going to come over here? Like, what is this? And then as soon as it made its way to Italy and blew up, I was like, it's just a matter of time. It's coming here. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, the thing is, in hindsight, it should have been obvious. And it, it was if you were watching, I think. so. Yeah, I remember in February, um, I had my friends over and I was like, yeah, guys, this is coming here. Like, enjoy freedom while we can. This is 100% going to make its way over here. Right. So I was just trying to suck up those last days of not having to deal with a pandemic, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, but then I'm sure they were pulling your leg like, Daniel, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. Or when you made your videos, I'm sure you had comments of people saying ridiculous, ridiculous yeah, I things. Yeah, I was called a fear monger. But I was like, listen, man, this thing spreads asymptomatically. <laughs> yeah. which means you don't even know it's spreading. You don't even know you have it, but you're spreading it. How the hell are we going to stop that? Well, something I realized is so many comments, man, are just nonsense. <laughs> man, honestly, negative comments I've learned really affect me. That's why I had to take my break from YouTube, which was like two weeks. Yeah, well, good. Do what you got to do. Yeah, like I, I'll have 200 positive comments, but that one negative comment, like I think about it all night and it's really, it sucks. Yeah, well, man, that, that's tough. And because, well, I think you're not used to it. And not yeah. to say that anyone should be, but it's just, you didn't ask for it. And it just came. And then you're like, well, it, yeah. it's good. It's good that you're at least aware of that and, and trying to make sure that it doesn't affect you. Because I know exactly what you mean. It can. And Yeah, it's, it's like our, our, our human brain is wired to focus on the negative almost. And like, yeah. As I said, I'll, I'll see 200 positive comments and then that one just really gets to me. And then, I don't know, my girlfriend tells me I shouldn't think about it too much. Yeah, you don't read the comments. But I mean, that's the thing you want to, right? You want to connect with your audience and then it's just there, like that shitty comment. Because as I said earlier on, it's the audience enjoying your content. Well, for me personally, that inspires me to continue making more valuable content. But at the same time, when I read those negative comments, I'm just like, damn. So I'm, I'm trying to train my brain to just like block those out, not take them to heart or sincerely, but man, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be a constant practice and you'll get to that point eventually, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, it's not easy. Um, it's funny cause I'm actually, I'm almost about to hit 10,000 followers on TikTok. Ooh. Yeah. Well, it's very exciting for me. It's the fastest I've grown on any platform. So, um, which is great, but it's just also too, it, it I know exactly what you mean. It's just when I get a comment of someone saying something really has nothing to do with the post or something like that. You just, you know, I kind of anticipate it. I'm like, Oh, am I going to get something today? And it really does affect you. It's just like, it's just weird how that our brain does that. And yeah. So I am almost afraid to check because I don't want someone trying to call me out. And I'm like, well, what are they calling me out on? I'm genuinely just trying to help people. You so. know, it's funny you say that because when I post a video, 
I respond to comments for about the first half an hour. And then after that, yeah. um, my anxiety starts acting up. And then uh, I, I don't look at the comments anymore after the first half an hour. And I just kind of like let the video do its thing. And I just, I don't even want to like read anything. Interesting though. Cause I guess like you are so motivated to start answering them because you want to help. Right. And then, yeah. yeah. But then like, I don't know, man, anxiety's a bitch. It's... It is. Well, all you can do is practice, right? I mean, we've, we've got a lot of time to live. I'm sure you'll get better at, at yeah. dealing with that too. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to just like take my girlfriend's advice and not, you know, think about it too much and just break yeah. those negative people off. But it takes time. Yeah. No, that's it. And I mean, like you said, you'd be spending so much time having to answer all those comments and it wouldn't necessarily be productive for you to, to, to do that. And exactly. It's like, if it's better for you to not look at them, then ultimately maybe that's the case, but you'll get, be able to deflect that dirt off your shoulder easier. I hope so one day. Yeah. And so just curious, what do you think some of the, like, is there any big, uh, industry that we, we haven't mentioned that you, uh, you found that, or sorry, here, let me rephrase that. Are there any other industries you found that appear to solve problems that we need solved? Um, not that I have found. I mean, no. Well, I mean, I guess water is a big thing too, right? Yeah. So it's like, there, there's a whole lot to look within that one category in itself. So Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been pretty heavily focused on water um for the past like months since i've been releasing videos about it and um i mean literally when i find opportunity i try to i try to let my audience know as soon as possible so i haven't really i haven't really found anything worth sharing quite yet no fair enough you know it's so interesting because from my perspective it feels like you know you still put out content very frequently or you know in the nick of time when it I try to do every once one video every three days is what I aim for. If I can do more, I'll try. But once every three days is my limit right now. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, and do you, do you have like a like a stock pick and then maybe an industry uh, kind of breakdown and then like do you, do you have a categorization or do you typically just do what what comes to mind? I have a list of about a hundred video ideas right now. Nice. And I'm just I just look at them and I'm like, what do I feel like making next? But it, there is there is sometimes where there's a sense of urgency, like with my HEO, I actually bought that while I was on my YouTube break and I didn't make a video for like two weeks. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I actually got into like, I'm up to like 68% on that position now. You got in at like a dollar 10. I got in a dollar eight. Yeah. Because I was on my break and I just bought it. I was like, this is, this is a very solid company. They're killing it. They're going to kill it even more. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that, I'm like, gosh, I've been watching them and I, well, I was looking at between Caldas and them and I was like, well, they're already at a dollar eighty. Yeah. But I'm sure there will be, you know, they're on my watch list. And uh, I, I think long term, they're going to be a billion dollar company one day. I imagine they would, man, because, well, they're they're setting the standard for a lot of other companies that are going to follow them, too. Yeah. And they supply the filtration for the largest desalination plant in the world, which is based in the UAE. So they literally supply the filtration for that facility. Wow. That's a so good contract to have. <laughs> exactly. It tells me that they're probably the best in the industry. So as desalination yeah. continues growing, people are going to use their filters more and more. That's my thesis anyway. 
Yeah, no, hey, it makes sense. It's just good that I'm really glad you made that water video, honestly, because it just got me thinking of other things. And it's like, well, it gave me the idea to, you know, to, to talk a little bit more just about money and entrepreneurs on the podcast. Like I want to bring on actual organizations or, or you know, yeah, you know, I want to help bring on more awareness to problems that need to be solved. So it, it helped me spark that idea too. So you probably didn't know that. So thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad my, my channel is having a positive impact. That's the goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the podcast, right? It's I've started it up and, you know, it doesn't have to always stay the same route. I can always mix it up, which is the beauty of it. And that's the, yep. the fun part. Speaking of um, mixing it up, I actually think I'm going to mix up my content here soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, what way? Like, I mean, there's only so many stocks I can talk about. Yeah. And then... I mean, I feel like I'm going to just be kind of repeating content. So I think I might try and go into slowly go into like the personal finance and entrepreneurship, like section of YouTube. Okay, nice. But I, and... if, I, if I do that, I'm still going to provide three video or one video every three days on stocks. And then in that filler time, try and do like a personal finance video and just see how it does. Okay, nice. And would that just be more of like the the basics and like the TFSA, uh, RSP, things like that in, in Canada? Yeah, and just like basic personal finance, like my opinion on how you should be saving money, areas yeah. you can cut back on, things like that. Yeah, might as well. Well, yeah. it doesn't hurt to test. And uh, I mean, you have the time, so. Exactly. You never know. Yeah, well, and, and that's kind of what I'm realizing, too. I'm like, having done this this, this series, I, I kind of feel more like a journalist, and I need to find... <laughs> Honestly, like, that's how I feel on YouTube sometimes. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm just a journalist researching things. Well, we are a media company. That's one thing. I also had the thought that, like, maybe I should change my channel to Jordan Hiley instead of Make More Capital. But, but when you think about that, we are a media company going yeah. forward. I mean, right? I have a corporation set up now, so... Like my income goes through my corporation now, but right. I just stick with Daniel Prong. I thought about making, you know, like mm -hmm. sort of, I don't know. Well, no, Daniel Prong works. It, it like I mean, you started as that, and yeah, that works great. So, um, well, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> what is your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because I was just thinking, I was like, well, because I, I technically, that's the thing, like I have highly invested and then I have make more capital, but if I can make yeah. make more capital, a cannabis media niche sort of investing platform or media resource, and then highly invested can do the podcast and then maybe comedy and stuff going forward. Um, the thing I noticed when I, when I first started making, okay, well, when I first started YouTube, I was trying a bunch of different videos and if you go and look at like the beginning of my channel yeah i was making random videos just trying to figure out like what works what am i like what am i comfortable making what is what do people want to see me make so i was kind of just trying a bunch of different things and then it landed on stocks and my channel initially started by talking about cannabis companies but i found that the cannabis industry was a little bit too niche right and, at the time yeah and when i when i finally expanded and started covering outside of the cannabis industry that's when my channel took off smart okay i see 
Um, and I think too on YouTube though, yeah, it's just one of those things where cannabis probably isn't gonna get. It's just not gonna get shown as much as other things. Too. Yeah, I mean you're you're fighting the YouTube censorship there as well. Oh, they censor as well. Yeah, if you if you talk about cannabis or whatever, they consider it you talking about drugs, and then like they don't promote your videos as much, and they demonetize you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> it really sucks. Well, kiss YouTube goodbye. <laughs> no, I mean it. It good, probably good that you mentioned that. It's something to consider going forward, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate how these companies can limit freedom of speech. Yeah, it's a, that's so interesting. It kind of <laughs> comes full circle to what we were talking about before. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> until it affects you, you don't really see it. Yeah, but like, I at my point right now on YouTube, I don't really care. That's why you see me make like cannabis videos, and I'm saying mm-hmm. cannabis. Right. Other channels will use another word for cannabis or marijuana. Well, that's why I don't use marijuana. I think that's kind of the trigger word, but yeah, like my my recent video. Let me check. I don't think it got flagged. Yeah. But I have had videos flagged for talking about cannabis before. I haven't had any yet, but it's, it's just a good thing to be aware of because, no, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. That's, yeah, it's not cool. Suck that they can do that. Yeah, no, my, my last video is fine, actually. That's okay. Good. Um, and, I mean, it's probably early, but do you have any plans for 2021? For 2021? Yeah. Any, like, ambitious Man. goals or anything like that? I want my channel to hit 10 million views by the end of 2021. Great. That's my goal right now. What do you have, 4 million now? Just crossed 4 million, so I need another 6 million in a year. That's so cool, man. Um, Other goals? I mean, I'm kind of still focusing on finishing up 2020. I still have goals I haven't hit. Good. Well, what are those then? What are the ones that you have not hit yet? I need to hit, let me look at my board right here. I need to bench bench press 225 pounds. I need to start writing my book because I want to write a book. Great. And that's actually it. My 2020 goals were to hit a million views to get 10,000 subscribers. That's amazing, dude. You crushed those. I know, right? Man, it's crazy. It's been a wild year. Yeah. But yeah, no, so I, got, I still got some work to do for the rest of 2020. Right. Then I'll think about 2021 more heavily. That, that's, a, that's a great answer. And how's your bench press coming along? Are you close to 225? Uh, I mean, I haven't done like a one rep max, but I, I don't think I'm close, no. <laughs> okay, fair. Do you, know, do you know who David Goggins is? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you gotta listen to some David and just... Go, go for broke. <laughs> I should, yeah, I should. Just pull a muscle quick. Oh, yeah, just pop a blood vessel in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> that man's crazy. Um, no, and what the book, do you, what, what's that? Is there any sort of uh, nonfiction or fiction? What, do you, what ideas do you have there? Um, I'm either, I'm either going to write just, like, about life and, like, experiences yeah. and how you can get ahead while you're young. Or just write about investing. I'm kind of deciding between the two. Smart. I wonder if you can incorporate both. I think you could. I think that would be cool if you could figure out a way to incorporate both. That would definitely be ideal. Two birds with one stone. That'd be pretty cool. 
kind of like tell stories as well or yeah storytelling through investing but no i just i, I like that you started with the life thing because i was expecting investing i was like hmm, it's very philosophical of you um i mean i love investing i love business i love all like this is my thing like mm-hmm. for sure but i mean i feel like i've i've dealt with quite a few things in life like with my upbringing and everything and like things I got currently going on in my personal life that people don't know about. Yeah. That maybe could help people on a personal level rather than like a financial standpoint. So I'm kind of just debating like, would that be more impactful for people or do they just want to know more about money? I, I don't know. Well, the thing is you will not know until you find out. You got me extra curious, but <laughs> True. that's very true. And ultimately, if you find value in it and you want to put it out there, then there's a good chance someone else will find value in it too. That's always, always the end goal. Yeah, man. All right, Daniel. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I don't want to take up too much of your time and I'm actually staying up past my bedtime. So. <laughs> oh, man, sorry no, about no, that. No, no, it's good. It's been nice to catch up. I mean, we don't get to do this as often. So um, yeah, for I just sure. want to say, hey, I'm one of your biggest supporters. I'm sure you know that, but and you've got plenty of them, but keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's fun to... Well, to stay connected as well and uh, just keep learning from you. So, Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Like, honestly, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, and I will be out in Calgary as soon as I can. So, <laughs> Let me know, man. I'll show you around. I'll show you some secret things that people don't know about. Yeah, please do. Well, I mean, ultimately, probably once everything does settle down, because I will be making my way just out west and maybe into Asia because it'll be cheaper for the next bit. Um, cool. but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it'd be great, especially. So, uh, yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, YouTube, Daniel Pronk, just my name and on Instagram at dpronk underscore. All right. Thanks so much, man. And this is actually, this has officially been the longest, uh, podcast episode <laughs> of highly invested. So, well, it's, it's been an honor. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Long form conversations. Here we go. <laughs> like a Joe Rogan podcast now. Exactly what I'm aiming for, man. I want 100 mil from Spotify by 2030. (laughs) You hear that, Spotify? And that is it for episode 62, everybody. If you want to learn more about how to look through individual companies or just to check Daniel's content out, you can find him at Daniel Pronk on YouTube. He's helped me learn a lot, and he's just a genuine guy that I've been able to connect with, so I recommend you check him out if that's something that you're interested in learning. That being said, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and at anchor.fm slash highly invested. If you got some value out of this episode, please share it with any friends or like-minded individuals. I just want to help spread the knowledge and make everyone a little bit more financially literate. And if you did enjoy an extra amount, I would really appreciate if you can leave a rating or uh, leave a review. I always want to know who's uh, listening, and it, it does help with the organic reach. Anyways, that is, uh, that is our show for this week, so thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. This is your host, Jordan Hiley, signing off. Stay highly invested in yourselves, everyone. Till next time.